Welcome to the Metacast. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Bob Galen. Yes, you are. In all of your glory. I'm in a perky mood today, Josh. Yes, be careful, everyone. Prepare yes, yourself. Yes. It's going to be interesting. I don't know, but we have. A, I think we have an interesting... I don't know if we have an interesting topic. I think it's a short topic. We'll find out. We, we've said that before and talked for like... You've talked for like 45 minutes. Josh, <laughs> <laughs> what was that? I, I it might, was a fact. I might have a tendency to, you know, be verbose occasionally. <laughs> occasionally, yes. Every other minute. Um, so, our uh, topic. So, so, I'm going to just intentionally be very, very sort of terse today. You've and said on, that before. I have, I have able threat, to deliver. Yes, I have threatened that. You're right. Okay, you're right. All right, so we Ta- had we had a feedback on Twitter. Thank you for everyone following us on Twitter. If you have questions or would like us to tackle a subject, let us know. Um, this is one of those items, just like our previous podcast. So our request store is asking, what do you do when a member on your team has deficient skill sets? So a programmer that's in over their head, it's a new technology, or just I, I don't know what, um, but the manager's still having them code. Or any other thing where somebody's not performing at the level that you need them to perform at. What do you do? We've talked a lot around teams and how we make teams better. This is more around individuals and how do you help those individuals grow and become what the team needs them to be. So what, why don't we separate it? Maybe I'm, I'm thinking out loud here because mm-hmm. I'm still getting my brain wrapped around this topic. Mm-hmm. Well, right before the Medicast, I was joking, partially joking with Josh. I was saying, we'll just fire them. Uh, and then end of Metacast. So that would have been a short Metacast. If we have deficient people, uh, we want indeficient people or super deficient. No, not super. So I would think of it as deficient skill set. Deficient skill sets in any way. You could have deficient sk- soft skills. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's generalize the question that the person asks. Right? right. You have someone who needs coaching, someone who needs additional training, someone who's not, I think it would fall into a scrum master who's a poor scrum master. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you do about them? So that's maybe we separate it into what what do we expect the team to do, and then what we expect management or leadership to do. Would that be a fair dissection of the problem? Because I'd like the team. We I'd like to see what we th- you think about mm-hmm. what should the team be doing, in parallel right. or before or after the manager doing something. Yeah. So my gut reaction that I held my tongue on was, well, why are they that different? Right. Like why why should the team behave differently than a manager? Um, and then I started thinking through the process, and I think there are a couple little subtle things, um, but I think it's worth talking through those two. I think it's a timing pieces. too. So should the team be first, or or should the so what is you know is it the chicken or the egg, mm-hmm. or is it the pig or the chicken? Okay. Right. So who comes first? That's, okay. I think the team. Off the top of my head, I'm thinking the team should intervene first before the manager. I'm not sure if that's right. But there may be a, what I'm saying is there yeah. may be a time order of who gets involved. Yeah. I would like both to be able to recognize in unison and have separate plans of attack. Um, I would like to think that the manager is paying enough attention to realize, okay, um, Jimmy's struggling with XYZ. I need to step in, but that doesn't mean I'm going to rush in and save the day. Um, I'm going to sit back and watch a little bit and see if the team self-corrects. Because that's ultimately what I'm after, is a team that... That, that, that reaches out and helps. And that's where you were going. Right? Well, so, right sort time. of. I, I mean, I'm going to disagree with you. I think the manager sits on the sideline for a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. So as long as we don't have a dangerous situation where someone is armed, mm-hmm. 
uh, or they have a personality disorder or something, and they're going to end up being serious, tongue-in-cheek, but really serious. As long as it's not dangerous, mm -hmm. then I, th I, if it's dangerous, the manager should step in. If it's dangerous from a legal perspective, like if there's legal harassment going on, the manager should immediately step in. So, but I'm precluding all of that. This is a skill set thing. Right. I think if it's a skill set thing, I actually think the team should step up before the manager. The I, manager should be. I think they should both recognize. I, I am hopeful that they would recognize. So recognition, say, yes. Yeah, versus maybe, taking action. Now taking action. So recognition, I'm fine. Both should. Mm -hmm. I'm fine with the manager. Right. It's the action that I'm poking at. I, yeah. I really think the team should take action, whatever that means, before the manager takes direct action. Right. What do you think about that? I agree. Okay. I agree. I don't like that I agree with you. Um, well, the thing is, you said it before. It's self-directed teams right. or team accountability. I mean, if a manager is sort of swooping in there and and then it's like, you know, you're solving it for the team, I'd actually like to see in an interesting way, not in a penalization way, mm -hmm. I'd, like the, I'd like the team to clean their own house. Right. I'd like to see how they do it. They might come up with some creative ways. Right to handle this skill set situation that I would have never envisioned as a leader. I'm like, go ahead and do that. Yeah, and if a manager swoops in every time there's a problem, no one else is ever going to step up and fix the problem. No, you just wait for the manager. To right. That's just sort of my, crutch, my thinking. Right? Yeah. Now, now, again, it's how long do you sit on the sidelines. It depends on what what's happening with the team. If the team isn't doing it, let's say they try something, mm -hmm. and that was it. They had one... They had one tool in their bag right. and they try it and, and it didn't it obviously doesn't work and then they bring in no more tools so their bag is empty mm -hmm. well I think a good leader then sees that too it's not just the employee the team has no more tools left right and you got to try to nurture you know figure out how to help the team but what are, what are some of the things you'd want to see the team doing it's, I want to focus on the team first. Right. What are some of the let's say you have a healthy you're proud of your team so right. what were some of those activities in that team to to help or whatever to cover that skill set gap yeah. what would you want to see one of the challenges that we have with our company is being relatively small and being in mobile we have ios and android and our team sizes are not the same in both technologies so um, our android team is a little bit smaller um, so there are times when we need other people to help out just because just the sheer numbers of the lines of code that, ha that, that we have to write for a feature are the same, but we have half the bodies. Um, so what our team has done, which I'm proud of, right? I'm very proud of our team because they've done things like this and we strive to be T-shaped. We've talked about that before around having a single skill set that you're very deep in, that's the leg of the T, but the arms of the T being broad and being able to step into other areas. So our Android developer has done a very good job of holding lunch and learn type sessions of okay so there's android development and then there's our version of it so this is how we do android development this is what our fragments look like and this is our architecture and our approach to solving the problems right. to get the people to understand the framework that we've put in place just because you can do java doesn't mean you can work with our code because we've have a framework and architecture in place so we've done that um and then to help offset that and get a little bit ahead of the curve on the code reviews everybody's on it so everybody gets indoctrinated to the code and the product relatively early now being on a code review is different than having to generate a new functionality within a new tool that you've never done before so we pair and partner so you said three things there you said uh, intentional training mm -hmm. driven from the team mm -hmm. 
you said um, reviews uh, and, and investing in reviews is a learning aid. Yes. Skill set ad- addressing aid. And you said pairing mm-hmm. as a learn. So all three of those things, and they're sort of interrelated in the team, but there were three distinct activities right. initiated from the team. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'd argue I love that thread. I think that should be happening anyway. Whether yeah. you have a skill set. So so one one way to approach this is everyone has skill set deficiencies okay. in some way. Uh, is the team self-learning? Is the team broadening he, what T-shape? Are they broadening their T? Right. Uh, and are they doing that effectively? So I'd like to see that. Now, now someone could be really dysfunctional from a skill perspective. I'm not going there. Right. But one thing the team can do is how are they trying with, so would you agree, self-learning, all of the stuff you were talking about? I, I would expect to see that as well. What about someone who's really sucking wind? So let's take it down. I love what you're saying so far. Right. I, and I'm not trying to guide you to a direction, but I'm, let's say this, that's not enough. Right. They're really, really sucking wind. Um, so we've had non-developers that we've tried to groom into developers. Okay. Um, so we generally start with the same approach, but more intensive pairing. That's about the only way I've seen it work. Um, and it's a long haul, right? Software's not easy. Right. Um, so you have to be willing to invest in that person, because it's not going to be, hey, after two weeks you're ready to roll. That's not going to happen. So that's, that's not a, good a fair point. So this expectation. Is, so this is more like mentoring or apprenticeship kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You, what you're talking about is more of an apprenticeship if you have no skill or very little skill. Right. It would be sort of whatever you want to call it, but it's an apprenticeship kind of thing, which is a long haul kind of thing. And I think for a team to do that, that you're going to have to allocate points in a sprint for that learning, or give them relief or something, because you're gonna you're gonna have to you're gonna have to offset. Yeah, because the team is going to have to invest in that person. Right. right? They're going to be able to do their normal points per sprint, right? If they're at 100, they're not going to be able to do 100 when they're taking on the, it's going to sound bad, the baggage of getting someone up to speed. Right. There's a local guy, Ken Auer, who runs a company called Role Model Software, mm-hmm. and he um, he takes on apprentices, apprentices out of high school in some cases. I think he's take, taken high school right. students, and they learn computer science or computer engineering programming. Yeah by pairing, basically. He's in extreme programming. He's, he's written a couple books. He's a, an XP, you know, he's one of the original founders of XP, uh, and he really practices what he preaches. Right. But he's developed a lot of people, and a lot of his people have led and left, you know, and formed their own companies, or, you know, they've had really good, solid careers. Right. Uh, but I think there is this offset. You have to, it takes time, and it takes effort for the team to do that. Right. You almost have to set it up to the team. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a part. So if you say I want 100 percent of your capacity for the release, and and then oh by the way you have baggage and oh by the way you have to just suck it up and yeah that's not going to work. So we should be clear mm-hmm. if they're so. I, so this is something a leadership part a leader can help with the team would be identify it in a positive way. There's a gap. Right. I'm aware of the gap. You're aware of the gap. Bob, who or Charlie's aware of the gap, uh, but we're going to work to close that gap over time. Mm-hmm. Okay, I get that. And so, we, is there a negative part of this though? Is it is there a case? Was do you think the questioner was looking for someone who's? Are there people that are just flat out incompetent and can't do it? And do you think they were poking at that? I think we can tackle that. You know, 
I think that's one of the next things that we do is that, you know, there's just, you don't have the, and I'm going to go to the higher, slow, fire, fast thing so you can see where that's coming. But, but I want to second what you brought up is last summer we had a high school intern had never, so the coding he had done has been HTML. Um, and we got him up and he had an Android app running in less than a week and was, we had one that really enjoyed the testing side. So he became an amazing tester because he tapped and broke apps different than anybody ever thought. It's like, why, why would you do that? He's like, I don't know, but it broke it. Um, and then we had another high schooler that was in that after a month was fixing like production bugs. Now he had a bit more background. He had written some code before he had done some PHP, but he, he, he fixed production code and that, and that was an investment from the team to support them. So it can work. The apprenticeship, you, you said something there that just spurred a thought in me. It's, um, I don't know if someone just, another thing I look for a team to do is amplify strengths mm -hmm. and minimize weaknesses. Uh, so let's say someone is a developer, uh, but they suck at developing new code, but they're good at debugging. Right. Uh, well, then, the, then why assign them new code? If I'm working with you, I know that, and, right. and you're not using it as an excuse. We just, uh, good teams look around each other and say, who's good at what? Uh, football analogy. I got. We have to have a metacast on football. Okay, I mean, no, but you're good at blocking to the left. Yeah, a guard or a tackle. I is, was omnidirectional. So, so, but is there? Help me <laughs> out with the analogy. But I'm sure there's folks. There's lines that have strengths to one side right. or the other. Right. So what do you do? You, you run that way. You run that way. You <laughs> leverage the strength, and you try to minimize the weakness. And if you have a blind side, if you have a tackle on the left side who can't, who's 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 okay but not great and mm -hmm. always gets beat, then you supplement them with what a back or something like that. Right. So you're offsetting that. I would actually look for that to happen in in an agile team. Yeah, we 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 have a guy on our team that has a history in game development, and those crazy, weird, memory-leaking bugs that just hinder you and just are with you forever, that's his specialty. See, that's what I'm, that's the sort of thing. So, so don't discount them and just say, Bob can't develop Blarg, he is dysfunctional, let's mm -hmm. get rid of him at a team. I would want the team to sort of, the last possible, if, find value before we eject. Yeah. and be open-minded to value. And that could go to test. So where I was going to go to is it could be a developer who's a great tester. Mm -hmm. Well, then, if they're willing to to start testing, well, it's a team. Last time I checked, it's an agile team. It's a cross-functional team. And if the, you need testing, it's not, you know, if you, if you have a gap there, it doesn't always have to be in what your degree is in. Right. Figure out a way. I hope that teams, before an ejection happens, they 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 exhaust the possibilities of how do we leverage all of our skills to get the job done. Yeah, one of the toughest challenges that I ever had was a couple jobs ago, I inherited a team um, of non-developer developers. The person that was running the team before was very heavy-handed and only let the developers ever touch like little safe parts, right? Like right. he closely guarded everything. And that's not my style. Um, but it got to the point where there were some folks that just kind of like this, right? That they just didn't have the skill sets that we needed. Um, and I was ready. I'm like, okay, we're going to let this person go. And my boss was like, no, you're not letting this person go. This person has been a part of our company for five years and has worked very hard for us. You are going to find a way for that person to be an effective member of your team. 
And that flipped the switch for me and really made me do exactly what you were saying and find out what works best. And we found a spot that was perfect for that person. And it worked out. And it worked out. See, and that's, I like, now if it doesn't, I'm, I'm not saying keep them forever. Right. Or keep them for five years. But what I am saying is that's, that's what, relentlessly pursue that. And I think that's a team function first, not just a leader swooping in and saying, I have five ideas, let's try, and here's my here's our schedule. Right. I have five areas, and when you get to six, you're out the door. <laughs> right. So if you get to six, there's no other place for you. I really think good teams do that. Mm-hmm. I hope they do that, where they really care to the point. Uh, I love what your manager said there. And that, yeah. It wasn't contrary to your point of view. It was, right, someone's been around here for five damn years. They've had value. We have a responsibility to exhaust ourselves before we what, hit the ejector switch, yep. right? I actually think that maybe that leads to ejection. I think that's an important point. I, mm-hmm. I subscribe to that philosophy. I, I think folks, we, we try to look for easy way out. Mm-hmm. And we don't exhaust that. Like if a company, I've seen companies that are doing annual layoff or scheduled layoffs. Yeah. They do periodic layoffs. People don't give folks like that any feedback. They don't put, try to find their strength areas. What do they do? Right. They just wait for the layoff period and then they'll let them go. And that person has no feedback. You've never tried to make it work. Mm-hmm. You've hurt the company. You've hurt the person. You've hurt your, your own integrity. I would rather sort of relentlessly pursue that. Yeah, so that, that, that moment changed me. right? Yeah. And now if I ever... I'm at the point where someone needs to leave. I won't do that until I can honestly say to myself, okay, you've done everything you could. You've tried every angle. You've worked with this person, and it's not working. Um, so only when I've reached that point am I willing to say, okay, this now, needs to end. Now, let's switch this, flip the bit here, though. Then I think we get them out the door. Yeah, absolutely. If, if that, if that, and we don't, we don't pity pat around for yeah, months, no, no, no. or we don't have a three month performance improvement plan or a six month. Yeah, those are the worst. Or lie to them, or you know, or, or lie to them and then wait for the, you know, we know we're gonna have a layoff in nine months or something. Right. I and and I don't think this is the team. So I I think my view is you flip the switch. Now it's in the leader's hands. The leader hand the leader has with the team has pursued all of these options. But nothing's working, mm-hmm. and then we we decide, right? And and then we we are as humane as we can. We're honest, open, and humane, and we say, hey, this isn't working. We need to get you out of here. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, that that honesty is key. Like I actually, there was one person I let go a few years ago, and they actually thanked me, right? Because it was the first time. It was at a company that did the scheduled annual layoffs, yeah. right? And I was open and honest with the person and said, hey, listen, these are the problems. We're going to work on them. And if they don't get fixed, here's what's going to happen. Dur- during that process. Yeah. And, and, and I got to the point. I'm like, okay, this isn't happening. And we're at that point. And, um, and that person thanked me. said, you know what? This is not an enjoyable experience, but I thank you for being open and honest and helping me find my path. Right? And we found him another job. Right? So that was... That was one of the nicer parts that I've been through. Now, there's always the other side of the coin. No, but I, I think I, no matter what is happening in a situation, you can't, it's, you, as a leader, you can't make it, it's not personal. You're trying to, you're doing it for your team, or you should be doing it for your team. You should mm-hmm. be doing it for the organization, and that includes the individual. I want to, you main, I just want a congruent interaction. It goes back to, let's say truth to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I can help someone find a job, and I know you would as well, I actually look at that as part of it. If I can help someone find their bliss 
out, either in the company or outside the company. That's part, to the degree that I can do that. I'll do that. Right. Uh, I've given people that I've fired recommendations, and they've gotten jobs. Mm-hmm. And I didn't lie in the recommendation. Right. I told truth because not every everyone not everyone is. I, I mean, I, I've never met anyone who was valueless mm-hmm. from my point of view. They had value. It just didn't match in what we were looking for. And I was very, I, you know, in the uh, in the um, recommendations, I was like, it, this is why it didn't work. It didn't work in this situation. I wasn't divulging personal information, but I was I was talking about the dynamics. And they said, well, here's what we're doing. Do you think that would work? I said, I think that might work great. Right. That, that might leverage, you know, Bill's strengths. Right. Uh, to the degree that I could be honest on the outbound side. Uh, have we covered this? Yeah, so I don't want to do kind of a wrap up of hey, this is this is what we. I do. I wanted to, something other. Something else struck me. I, I have one of these um, these coaching. When I talk to leaders, uh, I, I have this notion of you, you never should let the team get into a place where the uh, they're voting someone off the island and it's a surprise to you. Right. And it goes back to your original point. I do think leaders sometimes when they go agile, they put too much of the burden on the team. Mm-hmm. And you have to be watching. It is. I think you've really, you know, you you've blown your job as a leader, if if the team the team has done everything we've said, right? They've tried to find strengths, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and then they come to you, and they're literally literally at that point where they're voting that person off the island, yeah. and you're surprised. Shame on you. Mm-hmm. And I've seen leaders that get surprised by that stuff, and they haven't been paying attention. No, yeah, they're asleep at the wheel. They're asleep at the wheel. They and, and it wasn't that this was stuff wasn't being said to them or whatever, but they're shocked that oh, I, I thought I had time. I thought it would take. I thought we could wait till the next scheduled layoff or whatever. So that would be an indication. So as a leader, I think you want to avoid that, mm-hmm. right? You have to at least be ahead. You know, you, you want to be aware and you want to be ahead of the game. I always think you want to be sort of thinking ahead of the game and, and working with the team. So how do we wrap this up? What are some of the things, what are the high points that will be talked about? So thinking through what, what we just talked about, our, our expectation is that both the leadership and the team recognize the problem at the same time. But we don't want the leadership to act at that instant because if you do, you're setting that precedent of you're not really a self-directed team. Like, I'm going to come in and correct your problems, right? That's not a sustainable model. So we want the team to start to take some action and the leaders need to support the team and help the team and give them tools and ways to enable that. And also, I think at that point you start talking with the team. So really what I look for is coming out of a retrospective. Like, have we honestly talked about, okay, we're not good at whatever, X, Y, Z. What are we going to do about it? And the team has some try options of this is what we're going to do. Right. And then supporting the team in that next sprint as they go. And in the one-on-ones that are coming up on whatever recurrence you do them, you start actually addressing the problem. So we didn't talk about that much directly, but one-on-ones, I think, are a critical tool on the part of managers to Mm -hmm. coach behind the scenes with that individual. Would you... Would you buy that as well? Yeah, I think it's with that individual, but also coaching members of the team. I would on agree. I would agree with how that. they can be good teammates. And so, good leaders. so we didn't say that directly, but really, I think managers don't throw out one-on-ones with your team when you go agile, and and be very active, and and even be more active than you usually are. And in this case, you'd be active towards the individual and active towards the team and mm-hmm. coaching them through it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the responsibility you have is to and that supporting that I talked about is really giving the team tools yeah. where they can 
self-correct and they can help because they're going to be there every day, every minute, and the leader might not be there, right? So being dependent on some other person to help correct that is going to slow things down. Do you think it's going to, I have this, um, do you th- how often do you think it's going to fail? So out of a hundred, a hundred of these situations, so, so there's a, I'm, I'm saying this badly, but I used to have this thought when I put people on performance improvement plans, I found, uh, and I still think this ratio works. I found that their managers sucked basically and didn't give them good feedback. Mm-hmm. And I used to be, I, I called myself the island of misfit toys at one company. And every person who was a manager said, this person is useless. This person has no, they would, before they, we would fire them, they would give them often to me. Mm-hmm. And I had all of these mif, misfit toys. And, and there were people that were transferred to my group and I immediately put them on a pip myself on work that I had never, on work that, that wasn't, wasn't related to my group. Right. But I would put them on a performance improvement plan. And I used to think to myself, roughly 80 or 90% of those folks would actually recover. And this was a rough measure, but it was in that ballpark Mm -hmm. because I started being a straight shooter with them. I started talking, I started giving them feedback. And my, my thought is that human nature, if you get feedback, you, you then can improve it. Mm -hmm. You're not getting smoke. You're getting raw feedback that you can do something with. And most professionals, most people will take that and run with it. Right. So, so I think we're t- so. What's the recovery rate of this? And I, I still think, if we're doing this stuff right, I hope the recovery rate isn't like twenty percent. I'm thinking it should be. If the team's working hard, if the individual's working hard, if the manager is coaching their butt off, that's a lot of variables. But right. So, I, what do you think of a, re- a rough recovery? So rate? I think that if you've built a solid organization, I think you should be in the eighty to ninety percent. But you don't all, that that doesn't always happen, right? You inherit an organization that was modeled differently than what, right? I, so I would agree with right, that. So like if you come into somewhere and you're trying to build an agile shop that wasn't an agile shop, that's different. But what I'm trying to set for the metacasters is is what it goes back to your your aha moment, perseverance. Mm-hmm. Would you buy? That's what I'm, yeah. Perseverance. We're all trying to win together. Mm-hmm. That's darn it. That's again. Don't wait too long. But damn it, while we're in this recovery mode, let's, let's invest fully. Just like we want Agile teams to invest in the product and quality, right. invest in the recovery. And I think, and that includes the individual, and, and be honest. But I'm, I, had a high, I had a high recovery rate, and it wasn't me. I was, it, actually, what I'm saying is it's, it's, um, it's the spirit of human beings. Yeah, I think, if you, I think if you have assembled the right team, then you'll have a high recovery. success rate. Yeah, yeah okay, cool. I interrupted you, but I wanted to get that out there. I thought that was sort of this perseverance thing, mm-hmm. not throwing in the towel. Because it's hard work, and it's real easy. <laughs> it's it's easy to throw in the towel, I think. Yeah, and that's where people get lazy, right? It, it's it's hard work to tell somebody the truth and hard work to help them get better. And, and it's incredibly and, hard work. And it, and it always, 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 always goes badly when you take the easy way out. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Did we cover for these guys? What do you think? I, I think hope so. We'll I think find we out. Did, I think. Give us feedback. I feel good about the discussion of mm-hmm. this. And this was a little bit of new ground for us. We yeah. haven't. We have covered not some of this stuff before. So thank you for that question. Uh, we've wrapped up the Metacast for we today. Have. Uh, we're going to be in Vegas. We are. How to, and and we want we want topics for Vegas. We want suggestions for speakers in Vegas. We want how do folks give us Vegas feedback? Vegas Josh? feedback. Well, gosh, we need our own Vegas hashtag. What's a hashtag? 
Oh. Is that like corned beef? I know you're partly kidding and partly not. And I'm partly not, actually. <laughs> oh, that hurts. Uh, so if you could please send your sympathy letters to Josh for having to deal with Bob for the years that I have in the Metacast, please send those to Meta-Cast on Twitter. Hashtag also. sympathy. Yeah. Hashtag Bob. Or whatever it is. Yes. Yes. So please do that. Um, our website, Metacast, with a hyphen between the A and the C. Uh, we're on iTunes. Give us a rating there. It really helps when you rate our our podcast it shows up higher in the searches so we can get the word out to more people and hopefully help more more people because that's why bob and i do this so you know how to get a hold of us we are ready we are listening our last two podcasts have been based on listener feedback so keep it up if you ask we will try to answer to the best of our to the best of our ability, yes. we will answer the question: Is will you like it or not? Is the other right? Is the other side? And of you that can't coin. do any word counting out there, so you can't do a Bob <laughs> word count versus a Josh word count. It's just illegal to do that. I know the technology exists, but don't do it. <laughs> Please so, do. Please do. So, from beautiful downtown Raleigh, North Carolina, I'm Bob Galen, and I'm Josh Anderson. Shake and bake. Take care, y'all. <laughs>